Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was the theme from Shah from Isaac Hayes here on Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, on Jazz FM on a Saturday morning. Thank you very much for joining me for another edition of Jazz Shapers, the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues, alongside their equivalents in the world of business, some business giants who I'm calling business shapers. My business shaper today is Ed Bussey. He is a serial entrepreneur. I think that's the way you describe them. It's his third time round. He's currently founder, but always will be, of course, of the business called Quill a content marketing business. He was also involved in the startup for Fig Leaves. We'll be talking to Ed very, very shortly. In addition to hearing from Ed, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Some words of advice for your business. And on top of all of that, of course, some brilliant music from the Shapers of Jazz, Soul and Blues, including John Lee Hooker, Billy Holiday, Saint-Germain, and this from Barb Younger. It's Blowing in the Wind from her new album, Hard Rain. That was Barb Younger and Blowing in the Wind. New album, as I said, Hard Rain, which is an album of Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen covers. Ed Bussey is my business shaper today. He is third time lucky, a uh, entrepreneur, startup um, king, I guess you would call him. He was with the business called Zip, and before that he was with the, with the business called FigLeaves.com, which um, many of you will know and probably experience their fantastic products. It's the underwear business, in case you didn't know. And now he is the chief exec and founder of Quill, which is a content marketing business. Ed, thank you very much for joining me. Where'd you get the bug from? You, you know, once is a mistake, twice is unusual, three times, you're a glutton for punishment, surely. Yeah, I, I think I've, I never set out to be an entrepreneur, if I'm honest. I think I've discovered it as I've gone along. And one thing, and in fact, all the way through my career, I've never, never gone about trying to construct a resume, as I think some people have done. I've always followed what I think are going to be interesting opportunities. So in a way, one thing's led to another. And here I found myself on my third startup. And no, I, I love, I do love what I do. Um, there are definitely some challenges and stresses with it. Um, but yeah, start, people have started to call me a serial entrepreneur, although I would say fig leaves and zib i was part of a, a you know startup team i was wasn't just me um whereas with quill it was definitely a blank piece of piece of paper 
in a room on my own concepting the business from the ground up and funding it myself so this one I have really done from a from a standing start on on my own and you and I know you, you, um, I'd heard you were humble and indeed you are talking about being part of a team I believe when you were at Cambridge University a natural science student uh, my my yes, reliable sources yes. inform me as <laughs> well, well informed. you already were though dabbling in the world of well what might it look like to do my own thing I, I think yeah. you were a finalist in the UK young entrepreneur of the year competition where did you think that came from? Because even if you're stepping back and saying, well, I'm not really an entrepreneur, mm. honest, mm. W- that must have started somewhere. Had you seen it around you in your childhood? Was it w- where, where was that drive yeah, from? Yeah, I guess. So my, my dad uh, was working for a US publishing company. I grew up, I've lived abroad nearly all my life. I grew up in Brussels and um, my dad was working for a big, uh, for, for the European division of a US publisher. And he then decided to spin off and set up his own business. So maybe somewhere in there, I, I picked up the bug. But actually, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do with my life, or was being asked what I wanted to do with my life from a career point of view, when I was 16, 17, I really didn't want to work in an office. I wanted to do more sport and travel. I was really you know, really into outdoors things. And I decided to join the Navy. So actually, at 17 and a half, I went off, went down to, I got a commission, went down to Dartmouth to, to go through my basic training um, having got a place at Cambridge. Um, But it was really only when I got to university and I started to get exposure to all the different clubs and societies were there. And I saw this organisation called the Young Entrepreneur Society who were inviting really interesting people up to speak. Anita Roddick and Peter Stringfellow on the other end of the spectrum. Um, And I started going along to some of the events and I really got quite inspired by it. So that I I guess in a way that was the start of the journey and then entered the Young Young Entrepreneur of the Year business conversation competition in my second year and very much with a view to winning the prize which was a free trip all expenses paid um, journey to San Francisco to the International Convention of Young Entrepreneurs ended up being one of the five UK finalists and got sent there and suddenly found myself at a conference with 2,000 young people from around the world um, who were either setting up or had set up some of them incredibly successful already and I was completely blown away by the experience and I came back and um, thought you know what I'm going to give this a shot and that that probably was the moment when things changed forever although I did actually go back into the navy after university stay with me to hear what happened next with my business shaper Ed Bussey time for some music this is Boom Boom from John Lee Hooker That was Boom Boom from John Lee Hooker. Ed Bussey is my business shaper today. He is the founder of and chief exec of Quill, which is a content marketing business. Um, we were talking just before Ed uh, about the Navy and about your uh, and about your realization actually at university through this young entrepreneurship society and being surrounded by these amazing people that there was something in the blood that said I'm going to get out and and do things. You did, of course, join uh, the armed forces, the Navy. Yeah. What is that? What did that looking back give you in terms of arming you um, personally with the sorts of skills that have helped you in business? Hmm. So I think if I reflect back on that time and then subsequently when I went across, I transferred over into the foreign office and worked in the security field there for, for eight years. If I look back at that whole sort of 13 years, including the term time where I was out at university, I think what I learned most uh, was the importance of people. And if you want to build a great team, 
it doesn't matter how good your idea is, unless you surround yourself with great people who can work effectively as a team, um, you're really not going to get anywhere. And I think the leadership training that I that I went through with the forces and then subsequently um, have really helped me a lot later down the line when you're dealing, you know, for example, with quite assertive teams of New Yorkers when we were out you know, launching fig leaves in, into the States. Um, uh, so that, that for me was a big thing. But I think many of the principles of, you know, you setting a vision, allocating responsibility so everybody knows what they're doing, clear, open communication. Many of the things that you learn in the forces are, I think, I have found certainly have been very, very relevant in, in a business environment. Uh, and do you think just on that point that there's enough of that kind of training in the business environment? Because we've all, you know, if anyone's worked in business, they will know that there are these these courses touted as leadership development courses. It sounds like the military, for, for many reasons, of often mortal, they have to get that right. Yes. Was it better over there than it, than it has been, do you think, in the business well? Yeah, I and mean, I've done training courses on both sides of the fence, and I would certainly, in fact, the the, the commercial leadership training course that I've done that I think was mo- as was most effective was actually set up and founded by ex SAS officers. So I think, from my experience, I'm not professing to be an expert on this uh, in terms of the training, the caliber of training out there. But my experience has been that the most effective training I had was from within on this area was from within the forces. Stay with me for more from Ed Bussey, my business shaper. Latest travel in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom for your business from our programme partners at Mishcon Uh Hello, my name's Greg Campbell. I'm a partner in the employment department at Mishcon I've been practising in employment law for 20 years now. And at Mishcon we act for an interesting range of clients. Unusually for an employment department, we act both for senior executives and for corporate employers. So we get an interesting view of both sides of the employment relationship. The most important thing in any employment relationship is to have clarity of communication. Most of the problems I see come from people either communicating badly or not at all. Uh, Most fundamentally you see this where people work with their friends or with people they grow to like, and then a problem comes up and they're too afraid to deal with it. The only thing I can tell you is that a problem ignored gets worse and worse and worse until it explodes in a complete disaster for the organisation. If there is an itch, scratch it. Do not wait for things to become so bad that you have to amputate the limb. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning, 9 o'clock till 10 o'clock. If you miss any of these over 100 brilliant business shapers that I've interviewed over the last couple of years, go into iTunes and you can find them all there. Alternatively, cityam.com will provide a smattering of some of the brilliant ones I've also interviewed. Ed Bussey is my business shaper today, and he is the co-founder, sorry, excuse me, the chief executive even. Let's not let's not uh, demote him. He's the chief executive and founder of Quill, which we're going to come on to very shortly. We've been talking about training. We've been talking about... Um, how the military prepares you for uh, life, I suppose, in general, but specifically business life. When you started um, in the Fig Leaves team, and the Fig Leaves business, for those people that don't know, is a, it is an un- underwear business. Yeah, I think it's best known for selling underwear. Although we actually sold a whole range of cat- a whole range of different categories: underwear, swimwear, hosiery, and so sportswear. But people always remember but the I underwear. Th- end, yeah, don't absolutely. They? That's, the That's thing. funny. The, that that was what we became most known for. Yeah. So that was um, set up in two thousand, I believe. Yeah, ninety nine, two thousand. It sort of morphed 
morphed out of a web development business. It was originally called easyshop.co.uk. And I came in as the head of marketing, spent three years. um, And it was a massive career transition for me. I'd spent 13 years, say, in government service in one form or another and uh, moved into the internet space thinking, wow, there's something really exciting happening there. And because no one else knew how the internet was going to work and how internet retail was going to work, it didn't really matter that I didn't either. So that there was a window of opportunity for, for me to make a very big uh, transition there and headed up the marketing and then moved out to the States a few years later to launch the business into the States. And it is an enormous transition. I want to talk about that for a moment because people often say, well, you can't, you can't make such a big gear change. You can't mm. do it unless you, you can't, you know, you're, once you're an entrepreneur, you're always an entrepreneur. You, you disprove that rule. And, and as much as I imagine what you did um, in the military in, in military service to, to, um, at that time, did you find the transition more exciting cerebrally at that point, or was it just different rather than better? Um, I think it was almost like removing the shackles. I I had had a lot of responsibility in the roles that I'd had, both within within the forces and then subsequently within the Foreign Office and uh, with the particular areas that I was working in. But when I suddenly found myself in the internet environment, um, the impact of my decisions actually would ended up being that much greater. Um, we were a smaller team. Um, so you make decisions and it manifests itself in, in a very real way very quickly. So I think the 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 that sort of impact and the speed at which we were moving um i found very very inspiring and i and that's partly why i've just stayed in this sector because it's it's evolving and moving so quickly um it's it's actually quite exhilarating and sometimes quite daunting Hmm. time for some music now and this is music that both ed and i will relate to because we're of a similar age this is rose rouge (laughs) and it's saint germain That was Rose Rouge from Saint-Germain. Ed Bussey's my business shaper. Ed, the figleaves.com experience and indeed then your next business with Zib and indeed your next business with Quill. Underpinning all of that, of course, is the, the dirty word that every entrepreneur needs to get used to, which is the money word and the raising the finances word. You've been very successful at different times to different degrees in doing that. If someone listening now is thinking about raising money, what should they be thinking about in terms of getting their pitch right? Well, I guess one of, there's a whole load of lessons I've taken from from those three different ventures, and because we've got some things right and we've got some things wrong, I think where I'm at now with it is, and I think we've to the best part we've been able to do this with Quill was to start off. Fun, I wanted to fund the business myself. I didn't want to be uh, beholden to an external investor whilst you're going through the very uncertain early launch phase. I think if any people are raising money and they can find alternative sources of funding to sort of institutional money, I think that's a good thing. Um, But then once you've done that, uh, the next thing we wanted to do, again, before we went to raise venture capital or institutional money, was to go and find uh, other entrepreneurs who really got what we were trying to do. And we've done this at Quill. We've brought on 12 uh, angel investors who are all 
pretty much digital entrepreneurs in their own right. So Shakil Khan, who's one of the founder investors in Spotify, Karen Hanton, who's behind Top Table. Andrew, uh, is it Andrew Graham? Andrew over Graham, behind? Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we, I went out because money, to some extent, is a commodity. And mm. when I get these 10 people in a room, the value for me of getting their input on some of the difficult business questions that we're facing, we're doing something completely new, is invaluable. And I wanted to, to make sure we built that into our investment sort of investment team. And we've only recently, um, I three, four months ago, gone and raised a proper VC round of five million from Smedvig Capital. But that's having proved a whole number of different aspects of the business along the way. So as you said, it's money, not just as a commodity, but indeed the people behind it, because yes. they give you that extra, yes. that extra firepower. Of course, you are used in the same way as extra firepower. You sit on a number of boards. Mm. What is it that you enjoy about that experience? And how how is it for you being a hands-on entrepreneur and then being a hands-off non-exec director? Quite different mindsets, I imagine. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things I appreciate as a as a founder, a CEO, entrepreneur, is you can tend to get very blinkered in your outlook. I mean, the, the day-to-day challenges of building any startup are incredibly hard and sometimes stressful and intensive. Um, and it's important to keep a, an eye on the big picture. And actually, having that sort of ecosystem around me certainly I think is important we're certainly looking to build a, build out our our advisory board as well um, but also from outside looking in when you're looking at other businesses you learn a lot management you know, ways of improving sort of management techniques the latest some of the latest um, technologies that are emerging to enable you to build these sorts of businesses you know a lot of that best practice a lot of the learnings and I'm picking up from James at Mr and Mrs Smith and equally I'm sharing things with uh, with him too that sounds like it makes a lot of sense. Final chat coming up with Ed today. Plus, we'll be playing a track from the Shaper Jazz, Billy Holiday. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Billy Holiday, and let's call the whole thing off. For just a few more minutes, precious minutes, Ed Bussey is my business shaper. And we finally talk about where you are now, which, of course, as you said, is the, the concept which you've come up with yourself, the business which you are driving. It's called Quill. It's a content marketing business. Apparently, you have 3,000 3, specialist writers and all sorts of other people around the world. I've looked at the site. I mean, you are delivering content to all sorts of businesses, to agencies, mm. ad agencies and, and communications agencies yeah. globally for a real need which is basically and and many brands will know this they've got to do their own thing and they've got to make it they've got to have quality it's got to be on message and all those other things an incredibly ambitious um, thing for you to want to do and yet I can see the gap and obviously you can how are you making it come to life? Well um, in a way it's being no we're we're riding a wave here Um, when we started I started thinking about this in 2009 um, and particularly from the Figley's experience a lot of internet retail companies and other companies on the web have used technology to offer huge huge consumer choice lots and lots of products and that's how they've been differentiating themselves against the high street but they've been devoid of content and actually the shopping experience has actually been very dry and quite sterile uh, in many cases so what became clear to me is that more and more companies who are trying to sell and promote products 
products and services on the web were going to have to become a lot more like publishers. And this demand for content was going to grow. So this is back in 2009. Um, so we started building some technology to allow us to do this on a very scalable, agile basis. Um, but that dynamic has actually played out and it's picked up speed increasingly and and it now has a name. It's called content marketing and we're seeing very big brands shifting their budgets from traditional media, even online media, across to content as a form of of engagement with their customers and potential customers that is actually having more impact than than ads basically and that's i guess that's the 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 wave that we're riding what differentiates us in the market is we're building a global capability we've got nearly 3000 writers across 53 languages 18 countries and we can offer our clients consistent on brand content of a consistent quality in pretty much any language on any topic. Mm. And so we've worked with 80 clients since we launched um, three years ago, which is a really phenomenal number. And I have to step back and remind myself it's quite an achievement because it's been, it's, it's, it's been a lot of work to get here and we're certainly not where we want to be. Um, if I look further out, I mean, our vision is, I think content marketing doesn't really do what we're doing justice. I think what we're building is a next generation publishing content production capability um, that is bridging this demand, this huge and growing demand for content with actually a very talented and large pool of content creators, writers, video producers around the world that's currently disconnected from it. Mm. Uh, and it's clear that you're passionate about it and it's clear that there's a gap there. In terms of other passions in your life, though, just before mm. I, I mm. ask you your, your song choice and why you've chosen it, it's clear also from, from what I've read about you that you love the great outdoors and that, you, as yeah. you said very early on, I didn't think I was going to work in an office and those, those mm. words ring true mm. for many people, mm. I'm sure, listening. At some point in your life, do you think you can see yourself doing something completely different, either for a living or either because you've made a living you don't need to work? Or will you always be? Will Ed Bussey be doing his fourth and his fifth and his sixth? Where's it going to go for you? Um, I, I do, I guess my personal perspective is um, life's for living. And I, so I do believe in living life, uh, not in a narcissistic, narcissistic way, but life is living about living things to the full and seeing your potential through. So for me, yes, quite possibly the next thing could be something completely different because it captivate, captivates my imagination and I think it will be inspiring. It might not be another business. It might be something completely different. Um, and I'm also a big believer in getting the work-life balance right. And so for me, absolutely, as you as you saying, getting that time out in the wilderness, especially for me, mountains, that's that sort of space I find um, really inspiring and uh, and I and I basically can't get enough of it. So I'm trying to juggle a very, very intensive startup um, workload with a family, with also taking time out in the mountains. And for me, getting that balance between those is is the key. I don't get it right all the time. I, I, I try. But at least, you know, you've got to get it. Yeah. Uh, just before I let you go, what is your song choice and why have you chosen it? So last year, my wife and I, we've, we've got two little kids and we got an evening out on our own in Italy um, in the summer of last year. And we were having a dinner and uh, a, one of those moments when a soundtrack came on in the restaurant and um, really, it just made me feel really great. And it was the scene, I probably the moment I was there with my wife and uh, it was a nice evening and this music came on. It was incredibly, this particular track I found very uplifting at that moment. Um, so it's a track um, called Cancun by Take Five. And that is your choice. So thank That's you very choice. much for joining it. And more importantly, thank you very much for being my business shaper. Today. Thank you. My pleasure.
That was Take 5 in Cancun, the choice of my business shaper, Ed Bussey. Intelligent, definitely a very clear thinker and someone who's absolutely balanced and very clear that balance in life indeed is as important as making money. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's nine o'clock next Saturday morning for another edition of Jazz Shapers. In the meantime, though, do stay with us here on Jazz FM. Coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mish Rea. It's business, but it's personal.